I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. What is anger? We've all felt it at one time or another, and most of us understand that it's a reasonable human response. But how does science define anger? What does it look like in our children, and how can we recognize it? More than that, how can we understand what's happening in our minds and bodies when we get mad? That's what I'm going to attempt to settle for us today, but before I go any further, I want to be very clear that while I do have a degree in psychology and a master's in counseling, I am not a licensed counselor, and I'm not an active counselor. Most of what I'm going to share here is a comprehensive look at information that anybody can find if they look hard enough, but I thought it would be helpful to our larger conversation to examine anger from a scientific perspective all in one place, kind of like having a point of reference as we go. In the coming weeks, we'll switch gears a bit and look at anger through the lens of the Bible, mainly how it affects us on a heart level and how our hearts contribute to its expression. When I refer to the heart, quote unquote, I mean spiritually, not biologically. Today is just science, though. In the coming weeks, we'll compare science to scripture, as well as try to apply what we're learning to everyday situations. I hope it'll be a really practical application kind of season for you. So what is anger? According to an article from UC Berkeley, which I'll link in the show notes, actually, there's going to be a lot of articles that I'll link in the show notes today, because I want you to be able to go deeper if you want to. So look there at millionprayingmoms.com if you want to. But according to this article from UC Berkeley, anger is the emotional response that we have to an external or an internal event perceived as a threat or a violation or of an injustice of some kind. It has physical and psychological implications, meaning it's a whole body experience. It isn't just limited to our emotions. When I get angry, for example, my chest gets red, like up into my neck. Actually, it's not even when I just get angry. It's when I get emotional or excited or it's it's a curse, I swear. But when I get angry, sure enough, I get red. My chest gets red and that possibly indicates an increase in blood pressure. My heart will beat faster, and I have a harder time thinking clearly and using good judgment. Medical News Today says that testosterone levels increase when we get angry, and cortisol levels decrease. And, something I found really interesting, the left hemisphere of the brain becomes more stimulated. Why the left and not the right? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I find that interesting. Psychology Today says anger creates energy surges. And when energy surges occur, chemicals such as adrenaline enter your bloodstream, your blood flow increases, and your muscles tense up. Anger also compromises our immune systems, which I thought also was very interesting. So obviously, anger can be a really big deal. 
We feel it on an emotional level, a physical level, and as we'll talk about in coming weeks, a spiritual level. And we've just been talking about adults. Anger takes on an entirely different life in children because their brains aren't fully developed and they don't yet possess the social and emotional maturity to control themselves in difficult or frustrating circumstances. How many times have you seen a child melt down in the grocery line because they didn't get something they wanted? How many times did my kids melt down in the grocery store line? Well, we're not going to count those. We're not even going to try. I'm not sure I can, actually. Back when Toys R Us, some of you may be familiar with the chain Toys R Us. It was all over the United States for a while. But when it was open in our area, I used to take my children there for these special nights to get a special item, like something small, just a, a small little toy for being good that day or you know, when we just needed something to do. A lot of times it happened when my husband was working evenings and we just needed to get out of the house and I would go take them to Toys R Us and take them through the Chick-fil-A and get them a milkshake. And we just had a nice time, usually, usually. But before we would go into the store, actually, sometimes while we were still in the car on the way there, I would make sure that the boys knew exactly what we were going for and that they did not have my permission to ask for anything else while we were there. Now, Why did I do that? Well, if you've ever taken a child to Toys R Us, you know exactly why I did that. Because when you walk in the door, it's designed to make your kids want everything they see, right? And so I was trying to avoid that and help them learn to control themselves. And I even told them that if they threw a tantrum over wanting something other than what we were going for, we would walk out empty-handed. We would rehearse the words, I can control my words and actions. I can control my words and actions over and over and over again before we even pulled in the parking lot. Yeah, I can I can hear their sweet little boy voices saying, I can control my words and actions now as they were strapped into the car seats years and years ago. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, but I, I did give it a valiant effort. They loved that store so much and I dearly loved their excitement over getting a new figurine to play with or a new monster truck for their collection. But there were times when we left empty-handed because they didn't or couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. These types of anger responses in children are pretty normal, meaning most of the parents that are listening right now have experienced a tantrum like it when they maybe went to the toy store and couldn't get everything their child wanted, or maybe a tantrum over having to eat vegetables or not getting enough PlayStation time or being asked to clean up their room. And tantrum, I have learned, is a relative word. One time I was spending time with a friend whose little girl apparently didn't want to do what her mother had asked. And the little girl in question was sitting quietly alone in a corner of a room, not talking to anyone or or giving her mother any kind of eye contact. And the mom walked up to me and said, look at her over there throwing a tantrum. And I thought to myself, that is a tantrum. Good grief. I wish my boys tantrums look like that. Like I would love it if my boys tantrums look like that. (laughs) Our tantrums were more often uh, involved like kicking and screaming and weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? And and there was nothing quiet about them, nothing at all. And I, I don't mean to poke fun, only to demonstrate that tantrums can look different in different kids. Tantrums also change and take on new shapes as our kids get older. My boys don't kick and fall down on the floor anymore, thank God, because they're way bigger than me now. More often, it'll be an intellectual tantrum, a battle of wills, if you will, 
when they don't like what their dad and I have told them, they'll say, well, I, I don't understand what you're saying, or I don't understand why it has to be that way. When I know they fully understand, they just don't like it. They just don't like the directions that we've given them. And again, all of this is pretty normal. Most of the time as our children grow up, they develop the social awareness that prevents these loud, awkward displays of anger, as well as more appropriate ways to express it. But all of this is also affected by their home environment, their personal biology, and any trauma they might have experienced growing up. Some children and some adults struggle with anger as a byproduct of something else like ADHD, autism, OCD, and other diagnosable issues. Anger can be related also to depression and anxiety, lack of sleep, and even poor digestion or hunger, which my kids call being hangry. On the other hand, unchecked anger can cause all kinds of disruptions, both in our physical bodies and our minds, and even in our relationship with God and others. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. Anger is such an issue in the world today, isn't it? And I'm afraid our children are struggling because we struggle. Keyboard warriors, righteous typers, out of control mouths and emotions, losing it on game officials and fights with other parents over youth competitions. The world we live in can be very ugly, friends, and social media has emboldened us to say and do things most of us would never have done before it came. I'm afraid we're not doing a good job of demonstrating restraint, peace, reconciliation, and just simply how to do hard things together for our children, and it's taking a toll on them. I think most of us know these displays of anger are not helpful or holy, not in us and not in our children who don't yet have the ability to process or the maturity to temper themselves the way we do. Parenting can be a challenging experience, and when you have an angry child, it can be downright difficult. Children who struggle with anger can be easily triggered, and their outbursts can be distressing for both the child and the parent. However, there are ways to help your child manage their anger, and one of the most potent tools is prayer. Praying for your angry child is essential because it's a way to invite God into your child's life. As parents, we want the best for our children. We can read books, attend therapy sessions, and try different techniques. Ultimately, we are still trying to determine what we can do. However, when we pray for our children, we ask God to intervene. We acknowledge that we can't fix everything independently and surrender our children to God's care. Praying for your angry child doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. It just has to be done. In praying God's word for your angry child, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to know where the source of their anger comes from. Stop relying on their own understanding. Be angry without sinning. Let go of bitterness. Be slow to anger. Hold anger in check and gain compassion, understanding, and the ability to forgive for your own heart. With biblical teaching on anger, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. According to an article on everydayhealth.com, an angry outburst can affect our heart health. In the two hours after an angry outburst, the chance of having a heart attack doubles. Man, I was just kind of bowled over by that statistic. 
And repressed anger, where you express it indirectly or you're going to great lengths to cover it up or control it, that's associated with heart disease. Anger also ups the risk of stroke. One study found there was a three times higher risk of having a stroke from a blood clot to the brain or bleeding within the brain during the two hours after an angry outburst. Unchecked anger weakens our immune systems, making it so that we get sick more easily. Anger makes anxiety worse. It's linked to depression. And believe it or not, being a hostile person can affect your lung health. A study from Harvard found that men with the highest hostility ratings had significantly worse lung capacity. And with all that in mind, it makes perfect sense that unchecked anger can shorten our lives. Anger produces stress, and stress affects our general health. There really is something to that old saying that happy people live longer. The way we respond to anger varies from person to person based on things like genetics, the way conflict was handled in the home we were raised in, how our parents dealt with anger themselves, between themselves, modeling for us what's acceptable and what wasn't, and even how we interacted with our siblings, or if we didn't have any siblings to interact with, trying to figure out what was reasonable and acceptable. But with these symptoms of -of out-of-control anger in mind, it becomes clear that we need to know more about it, and we need to know how to help ourselves. And we need to know how to help our children through it. To help us understand how anger works, we can look at what's commonly called the cycle of anger. An article on therapistaid.com describes what's called this cycle of anger. And I want you to imagine with me a literal circle or cycle that describes what the process of anger looks like moving in a clockwise motion. Anger begins with a trigger, which leads to negative thoughts emotions, physical symptoms. We're working our way around the cycle now. It leads to physical symptoms and then finally to a behavioral response. All right. So let me talk about that just for a second. The triggering event could be literally anything, anything at all, such as getting cut off in traffic, an unexpected bill, a disobedient child, or from the perspective of a child, it could look like being told no, having a toy taken away maybe not getting candy while they're in line with mom or not being allowed to stay out as late as they want. Or for our older kids, maybe feeling like their parents are wrong in their decisions. Whatever the triggering event is, it soon, and I mean very, very quickly, brings with it negative thoughts. And those negative thoughts might sound something like, I'll never get this right. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. My parents are mean. My parents don't understand me. My parents want to keep me a baby forever. And those thoughts then turn into emotions like shame, guilt, frustration, sadness, rage, jealousy, or lots of others. Emotions then trigger our physical symptoms like those that we talked about earlier, increased heart rate, sweating, flushed skin, lightheadedness, or even shakiness. And finally, Those physical symptoms can incite a behavioral response, such as fighting, yelling, arguing, or a tantrum of some degree. And I want you to understand that this cycle sometimes can happen almost instantaneously. Sometimes it takes a while to go through the cycle. It could take days or weeks, but other times our bodies and minds go through this cycle in a matter of seconds. And this is when we respond in a way that sometimes seems out of control or like it doesn't match the situation at hand. 
And I've found in my own personal life that the best place to interrupt this cycle, if I want to stop it, if I want to get a hold of my emotions and get in control of my anger, if I want to teach my children to do the same thing, that the best place to interrupt this cycle is at the point of the negative thoughts. In fact, just this morning, my son and I had a conversation about the things that I was hearing him say to himself about a situation he's encountering that he's really struggling with that is a major source of frustration to him. And I reminded him that he absolutely has to take control of his thoughts and replace lies, the things that are not true. All these things he's saying about himself, they're not actually true. In fact, we did this little exercise where I repeated them back to him and I said, okay, you just said this. Is this actually true? Based on your history, based on everything you bring to the table, all of your experiences of the last few months or years, is this actually true? And he was able to say, well, no, it's not. It's not true, but it feels true right now, but it's not true. So it's this process of putting off and putting on, of recognizing when we're lying to ourselves, just because our emotions are making us feel that way doesn't mean it's actually true. And we have to replace the lies with the truth. And when we do this, we interrupt the cycle and we gain control over those emotions. Now, next week, I'm going to read you a chapter from my latest book, Everyday Prayers for Peace, that actually describes what this process looks like in great detail. I'm going to give you a great example of how this can work in your own life. I hope that today's episode has given you a little bit better understanding of what anger is, how it affects us, and the way it works in our lives to control our behavior. I highly recommend grabbing a copy of this month's prayer guide that complements the theme of this month's podcast. It's called Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child, so that you can be praying the scriptures along with us over the people you love the most as we continue in this series. You can find it along with the links to everything we mentioned today, all those articles in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart too? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.